Okay, this is the first episode of the Craig Gibson podcast. So this podcast is dedicated to business owners, coaches, athletes, and just talking to people that can really add some value to to those listening to this podcast. And for our very first episode, it is a great pleasure to sit down and talk to the owner of Built by Klein, the one and only Kirsty Klein. Hello. Hello. How are you? Pretty good, yeah. Pretty good considering some recent health issues can you let us inform us a little bit about that um yeah um so what's it been three and a half weeks ago I think um I had an issue with my left arm it was just started randomly swelling up and um it was discolored like a purple tinge to it so there wasn't a lot of circulation happening there and um so I was off to the doctor to get um, an explanation for it and uh, ended up having to get um, a few ultrasounds and x-rays done and blood tests and um, just to kind of see what was going on because he didn't know and um, anyway uh, two weeks later we got the conclusion that it was a blood clot up um, in the vein underneath my collarbone um, which <coughs> was not a very common place to find a blood clot Um, and basically the reason for it forming there they believe was actually through weightlifting so that repetitive um, trauma or impact to the area has somehow damaged the vein and caused the blood to clot there I don't really know how it works but Mm. yeah so that was um, blood was going into my arm and not coming out and Yeah, so I'm on some medication at the moment, um, blood thinners, to try and sort it out. So uh, not even a week into those. I have another couple of weeks of that and then a few more weeks after that on different medication. But, um, yeah, basically that's it. The medication's not too... Yeah, do you have any side effects from the medication you're taking now? Yeah, a a very noticeable um, feeling of just being dazed and... um, lightheaded and I just feel like I'm off in space for most of the day it's I have to take it in the morning um, with breakfast and then at night with dinner and so about a good six or so hours of my day after the morning tablet feeling not great and a little bit nauseous at times Um, so I have a small window of opportunity in the afternoon where I can be productive and feel myself before I have to take the next tablet so yeah well luckily well if you're not off or Fall off your chair. I, I know what the problem is. Yeah, just uh, start doing CPR. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think initially when your first ultrasounds come back, there was a little, well, there was a lot of concern that it, well, it came back as a lesion and mm-hmm. you were being told that, you know, possibly it was a tumour. Yeah. What was that feeling like? Um, yeah, well, it wasn't great. Uh, nobody really likes to hear that they've got a tumour and so I was a little bit concerned about that but at the same time um, they couldn't confirm whether whether it was going to be bad or not so I didn't want to worry myself too much until we knew for sure what it was and um, what the process was going to be after that so yeah I think I tried to keep a brave face most Mm. of the time and I didn't really want to tell a lot of people or concern anyone without knowing first yep um but yeah 
subconsciously or deep down it was a little bit stressful for for that week mm. uh, anyway yeah yeah well at least they know what what the problem is now and even though the there's some side effects to the medication at least you're getting that sorted and another few weeks um hopefully you're back to normal yes hopefully it is not pleasant yeah yeah um so this is about um you know getting to know you a little bit better and um you know just seeing what you've done in your life and uh where did you grow up do you have brothers and sisters yep um so my whole life i've lived at up at Collar Heights with my mum and dad and I have two older brothers and a twin sister, Sarah, which people have probably seen floating around the gym, um, probably one of the fittest people you'll come across. The dynamic duo. Yeah, so um, we're twins but we're not identical. Um, and Who was born first? I was. I'm <laughs> Technically you're the yeah, oldest. Six minutes older if you can't tell. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, so yeah, two older brothers, uh, Daniel and Shannon, and there's four years between um, Sarah and I and Shannon and six years between us and Daniel. Um, so how, how old are you? 25, 26 this year. And how old are your brothers? So Shannon's 29 and Daniel is 31. Yep. I don't know, quick maths. Yeah, that's okay. I think that's how old they are. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, and so you've lived out at Kola your whole life? Yeah. Um, you own property out there? We live on 150 acres. So wow. we have, yeah, it's a lot. We have um, approximately 30 of those acres are cleared land and then the rest is just bush. So um, childhood was pretty adventurous. We were never short of things to do. Um, and it was also pretty cool because I think we were one of the favourite places to hang out as kids during the um, the holidays, my parents used to run a um, life adventure kind of course at home. They did it for, I think, about 10 years where um, kids would come up during the holidays or for school camps and they would get put through these kind of like um, just obstacle courses and team building things. And so my parents ran that. It's awesome. Yeah. So we had... Uh, Heaps of different things, flying foxes, obstacle course, high wires, um, lots to keep us occupied. Yeah. yeah. Why did they stop that? Um, something I was just talking about this the other day, it it became a real issue with council. Um, there was a couple of neighbours at the time who were oh, just... Sticking their beaks in. Yeah, um, putting their two cents worth in and they didn't like what was going on there for whatever reason. It was all harmless and everyone was having a good time and it, there was nothing, there was no issue with it, but for whatever reason it got brought up to council and council had to put all these... Uh, their, just, their regulations yeah, and regulations, restrictions um, and crap. Yeah, so mum and dad tried to get around that and they got around it as best they could, but then because of the new regulations and things, insurance, um, or they ended up doing it just for free. So people would just come up and they'd run it free of charge, which they were fine with um, because it was mostly the difference they were making in these kids' lives mm. through running these courses and things. There was a lot of disadvantaged kids that came up and come from broken homes and things like that. Um, so mum and dad being able to help them and make a small difference in their life was quite fulfilling for them. So... Um, running it free of charge then when the insurance 
had to be renewed, it was a lot more expensive with all these new regulations and things enforced through council. So it just became a bit too much to keep doing, which is disappointing, but... That's such a shame. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, what was, what's your favourite memories as a kid out there? Um, oh, there's lots of memories. It, it, it was a really good, like, I feel really fortunate for the child Mm. we had, um, just being able to go and explore and do anything we wanted, um, on, on the property. We, we had this mini moak, um, we painted it up in army colours and it was kind of like one of those. We wrote MASH on the front like that yeah. old TV show. and I love MASH. <laughs> not MASH potato, but no. yeah, the, the show was good. Yeah. Um, the I'm surprised you actually know what MASH is because <laughs> uh, like of my generation, yeah, that was even so even people of my generation would, you know, coming on the back end of MASH. So that's impressive that you, yeah, well, we, that you know MASH. Yes. I don't know. We... I feel like I kind of grew up a little bit differently to a lot of people. Yeah. But um, very grateful for my childhood. Yeah, so we had this this mini moke and it was rusty and old and um, the only way we could start it was by a push start and we had this great big hill just out the back and my brother Daniel, the eldest, he would be in charge of getting it started and Shannon and Sarah and I would be out the back pushing it and then we'd have to run and jump in the back as it got started so we could continue driving it I think awesome Sarah and I were like four at the time Shannon was six and my Daniel was we were little I don't I don't remember my parents being around like supervising any of this um none of us ever got hurt that I can remember (laughs) I do remember falling out of the back of it once um we used to try to there was a big hole in the in the floor of the moat um it was all rusted out so you couldn't put your feet down so it was kind of like a Fred Flintstone car yeah. as well um, yeah. but we'd try and grab the grass out out of the holes we're driving and then put it in the exhaust pipe and watch it fly out <laughs> so as we were doing that I, I got a bit carried away and I fell out the back once um, <laughs> anyway <laughs> we just did we did some crazy stuff and we used to always try and build cubby houses and yeah um, we tried to build an army tank one time with the old um, ride-on mower and Oh, we just we got up to some stuff. Yeah, yeah, that I mean that would have been awesome as a kid, mm. just being able to explore that much land and and having that um, you know, the the flying foxes and yeah. obstacle oh, courses yeah. and yeah, yeah, it was it was very good. No wonder you haven't stopped smiling talking about <laughs> your childhood. Yeah, it's just good to reminisce on those things. And um, we used to my parents used to hold a um on the June long weekend. It was called Cracker Night and. I only remember this because they were talking about it the other day. Um, they would have up to 200 people come over on this long weekend and didn't even know half of them. It was just friends of friends and we they'd buy fireworks and we had a huge bonfire and we'd get the big tractor out and we had this huge trailer that was attached to the back of the tractor and we used to get so excited because we'd all pile onto this trailer, like heaps of us, and have our legs dangling off the edge and the tractor would take us around the pine forest and on adventures and then we'd play all these games at night and like hide and seek and sardines and that's it, awesome yeah there's a lot of good memories yeah and, yeah where'd you go to school um Colo heights public school for mm-hmm. primary school um it was awesome there was six people in my year i think there was about 30 kids in the whole school the t- whole time i was there um so we we're really close knit mm. community it was um really unique i think 
experience going to school there. Yep. Yeah, it was good. And then high school? Hawkesbury High. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, also quite good while I was there. I had good experience at high school. Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, did you play sports as a kid? Yeah, lots of sports. So I, th- I think I started – the first sport I did was basketball. Um, when I was eight years old, I – my brother, both my brothers played basketball and... Because they're tall? Yeah, we're, yeah, <laughs> they're tall. They're very tall. Um, my Shannon's team was a mixed team and they needed an extra player and they were like under 14s or something at the time and they like, oh, get Kirsty on there. She's not doing anything. So I had this giant singlet on that was a dress on me and I just had to start playing with these like 12-year-old kids when I was only eight. Eight years old. Yeah, so that's when that started. And I think we played until we were about 13. Wow, did you enjoy it? Were you good? At the time, yeah, I did enjoy it. And I think I was pretty good. I was, yeah, yeah, I I was good when I did it. Um, We were all pretty good at it, actually. We had a really good team, the Rockets, for a while. We won most, I think we won every, um, whatever this. Every final? Every final, yeah. We we had a really good team. so you played basketball for a while and in amongst that I did gymnastics around the same time and I really loved gymnastics. It was a lot of fun. Um, do you think it's important that kids do gymnastics? The reason I ask is um, obviously owning the gym here, I see those people with a gymnastics background have so much more body awareness mm-hmm. and if they haven't let themselves go, they they have much more uh oh sorry much more a better range of motion and more mobility yeah um i think i think it is really good like if you can get your kids into it and and doing it for sure it's going to improve um their ability just their body awareness and Mm. and like you said mobility and all of that um in the later years of their life um it is an expensive sport that was one of the reasons why um we stopped doing it but okay yeah um but no, definitely it is. And how long did you do gymnastics for? Mm, on and off. I, I think I started that when I was eight as well and I did it for a couple of years and then went away from it and came back when I was maybe about 11 or 12 and did it for a few more years until uh, I was in high school when I finished. Um, but then at that time I was also playing soccer and doing athletics. So we had to sort of start picking what you wanted to do and you couldn't keep continuing doing everything. Yeah, yeah. And um, your mum and dad are having four kids yeah. trying to get all of this to sport, probably different days, different times. Yep, yep. Was that stressful for them? Do you remember that? To be honest, I don't – I never felt like it was stressful for them. They always seemed to be happy to yep. drive us around and um, I can imagine it would have been hard and very time-consuming. We – we were always busy like when we were doing athletics and soccer. Um, we'd have a Monday, Wednesday um, night up at Currajong training and Tuesday, Thursday at Penrith training after school. And then on the Thursday after training at Penrith, we'd have to come back to do soccer training. So just – and then Fridays would be little A's and Saturdays soccer and it was a lot. Mm. Um, but they never seemed – Never seemed to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, they didn't really mind. And I, it was actually quite funny when Sarah and I got our license and we're capable of doing it all ourselves for a long time. They were like, oh, no, we'll still take you. Mm. They didn't really want to let go of doing that. Yeah. But 
I think most parents are like that. They don't, mm. they try and hang on to your leaving home and because I think it makes them, they need to still feel a part of your life. And yeah. I think they, they have a bit of fear that uh, if once you start becoming independent, they'll lose relevance in your life. Yeah. Which is not true. Cause no. <laughs> just going to stay at home as long as I can. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so much cheaper, isn't yeah. it? It is good. Yeah, I could imagine you guys get looked after at home by the sound of it. Yeah, very much so. Very lucky. Actually, speaking of um, Colo, how did you guys fare in the recent bushfires? Um, we were okay. Um, like I said, we have that about that 30 acres of cleared land around our house. So, yeah, the bushfires came through twice. Um, I think the first time was like around the time we had super total, so the end of... Uh, end of November yeah um so there was a I think for the period of a whole month I couldn't get I was home for maybe 10 days in the whole month there was a lot of time where I couldn't get home due to road closures and things but in terms of our property um my dad reckoned about 90% of the bushland that we had was burned and um we lost a couple of sheds down the back and just our our rope courses and all of that stuff got burned Mm. down which is sad to see go but um yeah, we didn't lose anything significant, which was good compared to a lot of other people. Yeah. Mm. So a lot of a lot of bush and um, a few outlying structures, but the home was okay. Yeah, our yep. house was fine. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, gymnastics, basketball, soccer. What did you do after that? Um, so the sport that won in the end was athletics. Um, Probably a combination of all of those yeah. wrapped into yeah. into one. It was when we first started it, we all hated it. Um, we pretended we'd pretend that we were sick on a Friday night so we wouldn't have to go and <laughs> we just kept going because we thought mum and dad wanted us to go and we never I think they knew we were pretending to be sick, but they were like, Oh well. Um, so they just kept taking us and little did they know we hated it and I wasn't very good at anything. Um but anyway, so that was I think I started when I was nine. I did it for uh, a long time, but there was about 10 years I spent um, just basically focusing on athletics in and in amongst school and everything in after school. Um, so I got into race walking. Um, my coach at the time suggested, I think it was a polite way <laughs> of saying, you're not very good at sprinting or high jump. Or, or shot put anything. or discus. Let's just hurdles. give this race walking gig a go and see how you go. To be fair, I don't think I was very good at that when I started <laughs> either. I was I hated long distance. But anyway, I ended up doing it for ten years, so um and eventually got better. You yeah. hope so after ten years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So race walking, what so basically you okay, what's your first how far were you walking the first time you were doing it? Um so like maybe until you're 12 and then 12 to 15, yeah. do the distances increase? Yeah. So I, I think when I first started, it was 1,100 metres. Um, but I don't really remember that too much. Um, so it was a 1,500 metre walk and that was your first sort of experience at any distance stuff. Um, and then I can't quite remember the age groups mm. where it changed, but it went from 1,500 to three kilometres. So it's a you double it. Um, yep. And then you get to do three kilometres for a little while. And then from there you go to 5K. So it's almost a, a double jump again. From 5Ks it goes to 10Ks. And then from 10Ks it goes to 20Ks. So 
for basically your junior, um, the junior side of things, you're building up to that 10K distance and you think that's pretty bad. And then once you're over, I think it was 21, maybe 22, you had to go into seniors and that's 20K most of the time. Yeah, okay. Mm. And it's a lot harder than what people think, isn't it? Yeah, very difficult because um, unlike running, like you can just run. Like no one's going to look at you and say, yeah, you're you're running bad. Like, well, they might, but it's not going to affect yeah. your result in the end. You're going to finish no matter what unless you don't finish. But with race walking, there's a, a level of technical difficulty and there's people, there's judges watching you. And um, if you're not doing it correctly or as you get tired and you start to lose form, then you get red cards and if you get three red cards then you're disqualified so I had a couple of races where I was disqualified and I've been in plenty of races where people have gotten through 18 kilometers of a 20k walk and got told that you're disqualified and oh, that'd be heartbreaking yeah it's a it was a tough sport mentally and physically very tough we'd be doing like in excess of 100 kilometers a week of just walking or running um do you need to have one foot attached to the ground the whole time yes so both feet can't be off the ground, no. yeah. And it's only by a judge's eye. So if people mm. take a video and they slow it down and see both feet are off the ground, it doesn't count. It's just by the judge's eye. And yep. So yeah. it's subjective. Yep, very yeah, very much so, yeah. That, no problems with that. Mm, there were, well, yes, there were a lot of problems <laughs> with that. It's got to be on the good side of the judges. Yeah. yeah. So what – did you get any injuries – what was it like physically um, training 100 kilometres a week? Um, injuries, yes. And I think they just – that developed over time. But 100 kilometres a week, it, it's a lot and it's very time-consuming. So I'd have um, – I'd be training nine times a week. Um, so I think – Let's say Monday was like a, a middle kind of distance day. You'd go out and get a lot of kilometres, 15Ks or so. You'd do maybe a morning session and an afternoon session. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays were always track work, speed work or speed endurance. One of the most horrific sessions I ever had to do um, would be five 200-metre sprints and then two sets of 10 400-metre sprints. Mm. So 20 400-metre sprints, um, race walking, but still just like that's horrific mm. and um yeah so the body would be sore a lot and tired and it doesn't leave chafed them. and chafed chafing was the most <laughs> chafing was the worst thing ever yeah and because i have quite narrow hips as it is there wasn't a lot of room for my legs to yeah get past each other without just rubbing together uh, so and armpits as well armpits i had jesus calf chafing because my calves are pretty juicy Calf chafing. Calf chasing, yeah. Um, chafing. There was the worst lot of chafing I ever had was after a 20K race. I think it was the last 20K, I, well, one of the last races I ever competed in. It was stinking hot. Um, you're sweating. You're, as you walk, you try to cool yourself down so you pull the water over your head and over your body. But I was just chafing the whole the whole time. And as soon as I had that first step over the finish line, I could just feel uh, every little bit of chafe. Like and razor blades. Razor blades. My thighs was cut up. Um, it, oh, horrific. And then the, the number that you have to wear on your crop top, it was a cardboard number. And every time you move, because it's that, that wriggly feeling, it'd be moving back and forth. So I actually had a cut across um, the top of my stomach and armpits, calves. Yeah. Anyway, wow. It was bad. What? 
what level did you get to? Um, I never made it to an international level. Um, competed for um, New South Wales a mm-hmm. lot at nationals and um, I was top two in my age group um, most of the time towards the end. and In Australia? Yeah, yep. in Australia and um, out of all the senior girls I competed against as well, I was top when the time I finished, I think I was about top six in Australia for over 20K, so. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Why did you stop? Um, a number of reasons. Um, so I did have a, an ongoing injury with my knee, which would flare up every so often. So I might get about a two-week block of training in that were really good, and then I'd have two weeks where my knee was super flared up and I could hardly do anything. I'd be mostly swimming and gym work. Um, so that was a constant battle. Another another reason was I was just um, getting to a point where the enjoyment was just non-existent. I, I was purely doing it out of determination. Um, I didn't want to let my coaches down who had helped me so much to get to where I was and I uh, didn't want to let my parents down. Not that, not that I would have, but that's just the thought you go through when yeah. you, they've spent so much of their time mm. putting into you to to get you to where you are um so mentally it was a constant battle every single day I'd get up I would train in the morning go to work I hated work and then I'd be at work all day thinking oh I have to do this session in the afternoon and I'd be going should I do it or should I just go home and then I'd feel bad about missing it so I'd always go and do it but when I was there I'd be hating every single second of it so it's just just getting by um so that mental battle I went through every single day just got to a point where it was just too much and um I had the weekend that I stopped I had a fantastic 10 kilometer session on the Saturday smashed it out went out did a solo 20k walk by myself out um the back of Richmond um Benson's Lane and all that killed it it was a great session the next day I woke up and I went you know what I'm not doing this anymore I'm done I'm done I, I never never did it ever again Wow. Mm. You just drew a line in the sand and said, I'm putting happiness yeah. over everything that's happened in the past. Yeah. Um, and that was very hard. Like I called my coach up at the time and he was based in Melbourne and I was bawling my eyes I was out. say, did you cry? I was very emotional because it was such a hard decision. Like I'd spent so long, like such a big chunk of my life doing it and you kind of get to a point where like, well, what do I do? if I'm not doing this, like that's so much, that makes up so much of your identity. And mm. he, he's fine. He, he just consoled me and said, look, if you miss it and if you're meant to do it and you want to do it, you'll come back to it. Mm. And I obviously you wasn't meant back. to do it. So yeah. I never went back. Do you think that emotion coming out was relief as well? Um, Did you feel relieved when you yeah, made, when you, think, after that phone call? I think so. And just knowing that, like all those fears I had about disappointing him and everyone else and Maz, my old coach, who'd spent so much time um, in me and everyone really, but just knowing that it's okay, like you've, you've got to do what you've got to do to be happy and like, well, yeah, you know what, it's actually, this isn't so bad. Yeah. Life goes on. Life does go on, doesn't it? Mm. Okay, so with the race walking, um, Obviously, weight would be an issue. So the lighter you are, 
the the quicker you could go, I guess. Yeah. Did, did you have a battle with your weight, um, your nutrition at the time? Yep. Um, yeah, I most definitely did. So um, when I was first starting to get recognised as potentially a, a good athlete, I got invited on um, some training camps and they were held at Threadbelt. It was a two-week camp. I remember being super anxious about it. I'd never spent – How old were you then? Um, I was in – uh, I think I was 17. Okay. So I'd never spent two weeks away from my family before um, mm. or that much time away from Sarah. It was a weird thing. So I was very anxious about it. I didn't particularly want to go at the time, but it was a really good experience. Um, but I think at that time I, I weighed about 53 kilos. I was tiny. I was, there's nothing of me. Um, but I was very feared. I was, the training camp was awesome. I, I got a lot out of it, but, um, that was in February. So between April and I think between then and about April of the same year, I went from weighing 53 kilos to 59 kilos, um, whether that was hormonal or whatever. My body just couldn't – I was eating the same amount of food, doing the same amount of training. I was training so hard and I just – You just went to 59. Just got to 59. I remember um, I had a few – issues in races where I had I had heat stroke a couple of times and I collapsed and I had to go get a few tests done at the host, um, at the doctors and she's like oh how much do you weigh and I said oh about 53 and then I, she got me to hop on the scales and it said 59 and I was like what do you mean and then I was so self-conscious of it by then like um, I didn't really realize I'd put on that much weight and it and it was just my body probably needing to get to that weight and so it did did you um, feel guilty yeah, I felt bad. And then I um, I was like, well, obviously I can't keep eating all the food I'm eating. I need to cut back on that because I need to weigh what I was weighing before. I need to get back down to 53. Um, wow. And right now, like I'm currently I'm weighing almost about 70 kilos. So that's the difference it's been anyway. Um, so that that was a huge shock to the mental system. Mm. Um, yeah, so from there – and because I had um, given, I was given the opportunity to go to these training camps, and I had people investing in me from the AIS. And if I had performed well in that year, um, it was really likely I was going to get a an AIS scholarship to go and train in Canberra and just be a part of that. So mm-hmm. it was an important year for me, and that was also the year um, Sarah qualified for World Juniors, and I was trying to qualify for World Juniors. So. And then one of the interviewers at the track did this interview on both me and Sarah and saying, oh, twins trying to make it to the world chance together. And um, anyway, I never ended up I never ended up getting there. So it was a really hard time for me as well. Um, what event was Sarah doing? Sarah was in the 400-meter hurdles. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so you're in different events. Different events. Different trainings, regimes. Completely different, yep. yeah. Um, and then anyway, I went overseas – and we all went with Sarah and we watched her compete. And that was a really hard time for me at the time because I was so disappointed in myself for not getting there. And um, Where were the world champs that year? Uh, Spain. Yeah, okay. Yeah, in um, Barcelona. So while I was over there, I wasn't training quite as much and we were eating and, and that just – and then I came back and I think I weighed about 62 kilos. So I'd put on another three kilos in that month we were away and I was very self-conscious of it then. So – come back into the 
winter season of race walking. And during winter, we'd do a, a race every weekend at some anywhere. Yeah. But it was a race walking club, and um, I'll never forget it. There was this old guy um, in charge of running the events and doing it all and whatnot, and he made a comment to my mum. Um, he said, oh, how much, like, who weighs more out of Kirsty and Sarah? And I think at the time Sarah might have weighed one kilo more than me, but she's always been very lean and muscular. And mum said, oh, Sarah weighs more. And he goes, oh, that's interesting. I guess muscle does weigh more than fat. And then my mum, not thinking, she relayed that conversation back to me. And mm. that was like a huge punch in the face. And from then, I think that was where the um, self-conscious feeling came about about my weight and I was really, oh, it was not good mentally for me and I was going like I was in year 12, I was only 18 years old. Um, Very impressionable time. Yeah. Um, so from then I, I uh, my relationship with food became – strained I th- I thought well I, I'm hungry I'm going to eat all of this food but then I'd feel really um, bad for eating the food and um sorry no. <laughs> <Yeah>. tissue. it's okay <laughs> I just haven't spoken about it for a, a, long, time. <laughs> a long time do you want to move on no it's okay I'll- pull it together so yeah um the only way I could in my mind I could resolve that was by forcing myself to um throw it up so after and to be at least once a day or a couple of times a day even um where I felt like I'd over over eaten I would force myself to I go to the bathroom and really discreetly um vomit and then this went on for a long time and there, there were days where I didn't feel like that and I could just go through the day and not worry about what I had eaten um but yeah it was it did consume a lot of my life I can I can only I can't imagine how it would have affected you back then when it still triggers this emotional response in you now yeah I just think I like I feel really sorry I feel really sad for that girl who I was like having um felt the way I did and not really I don't know it was just like a really slow slide into that place I was and nobody was aware of it I kept it to myself because I knew I knew it wasn't the right thing to do and I knew I knew there were better ways of going about it but at the same time I just couldn't get I just couldn't get out of that mental frame of mind that I was in and that was the easiest way for me to try and control my weight. Um, not that like I needed to. Um, yeah. Like I was doing an endurance event. I had to I was racing 10, that. 15, 20 kilometres. I needed as much food as I could. My body was just going through a change at the time that um, couldn't keep up with. My hormones were changing. Metabolism had changed. Um but then when you're in that sport and you're constantly being watched and judged and there are people around you who compete who are so athletic and 
lean and thin and you're like, well, I need to, why don't I look like that? They're racing better than me because they're so much fitter than me. And then it, it's just, it's unreasonable thought, but at the time that's just how I felt. Um, mm. Do you have any advice for anyone going through that same issue right now and any advice on people who are comparing themselves to others? Yeah, it just uh, everyone, we're all so different. Like no, not one person is the same as the next and our bodies are different. Um, we do different things. You just have to accept. You just have to accept yourself and um, your composition and the way you're made up. Like just accept it. Like there's no point. You're just doing yourself harm and your family. Um, yeah, you just try not to compare yourself to other people. Nobody, realistically, nobody is out there looking at you and and judging or saying snide things about you. And if they are, like, that's on them. Um, it's nothing to do with you. Anyone who's casting negative comments or nasty comments to someone else, they're miserable in their own life trying to tear you down to make mm. themselves feel better. Mm. Yeah. Just got to just... How did you pull yourself mm. out of that? Um, I think that that lasted, that probably went on for a year, a bit over a year. Um, I think it all came to an end literally as I gave up the sport. That pressure um, wasn't there anymore. I, nobody was judging me. Um, not that they probably were anyway, but that's just how I felt. Um, and the, the need or the want or the feeling that I needed to do that dissipated immediately. Um, yeah, because deep down I did know it wasn't the right thing to do. So I think taking myself out of the situation that was kind of heightening the feeling of yep. needing to look a certain way or weigh a certain um, weight, once I wasn't there, I didn't feel like I had to do that anymore. Yeah. So you went, you were conscious about then just going back and just eating. You didn't go swing the pendulum too far back the other way and overeat. No, no, I just continued on what I would do. Eating what you needed to eat to fuel yourself for that day. Yeah. Uh, There was uh, three months of me not doing any form of physical activity. The day I gave up, I didn't do anything for three months. It was towards the end of the year. Um, yeah, I was like, I should probably join a gym or, or do something, uh, nothing. Um, the only thing that got me was the new year started and Shay was, Shay and I were quite good friends and Shay Southern, Shay Southern. Yeah. Yep. Cause we did race walking together for a long time and we traveled a lot together. So yep. yeah. Um, couple of rascals, couple of rascals. All right. We had a lot of good, good memories together. Um, but Shay had been going to the gym already and she, um, when we would catch up for, we'd maybe go for a little jog or something and or a walk and she'd say, well, why don't you come and join the gym I'm at? Um, I think it was Connect Fitness, Connect Fitness at the time. Connect Fitness, yeah. Uni gym. And I was like, okay, I'll make that my New Year's resolution. And she, I didn't really want to go. She dragged me along. She's like, come on, let's do it. We can just do whatever I'm doing. And she showed me all the machines and, um, anyway, 
I just kept going back uh, a couple of days a week with Shay and we trained together and actually became quite fun and I enjoyed yeah. it. I remember the first time I tried to do a deadlift and it was there was a few of us together and all the girls were doing it. Uh, I think there was 50 kilos on the bar and I was shocked because they were all lifting it and I went to lift it and I was like, I thought I was going to break my back. I said, <laughs> this is very hard. You guys are so strong. Yeah. And um, there was 50 kilos, I remember, and I was like, that's a lot of weight. Anyway, but. Now you're bench pressing <laughs> way more than that. 68. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny how things change. Yeah. What were you, what were you doing for work at that time? That time, I'm sure I was at Rural Press, so okay. newspaper factory up on the hill. Just killing time there. Killing time, just saving money. Yep. Um, it was a mind-numbing job. Yep. I often joke about um, <laughs> to to sign in when you got to work. Yeah, they introduced it towards the end of when I was there. I, um, it's like a... So test your pulse or something, but it's like this fancy machine and you have to put your finger in it and yeah. it scans your pulse and that signs you in. It comes up with your name and say, yeah, that's me, sign me in. And uh, I would just joke that it's actually you have to trade your soul. Yeah? So you sign in, here's my soul. I'll, you, you can have <laughs> it back. it on the way out. You can have it back <laughs> when you leave. So basically that was what it was like. It was awful. Yeah, right. Um, I think we've all been in those sort of jobs. Yeah. How did you... What was the drive to then Cert 3, Cert 4 So I in had, fitness? Yeah, I after I left school, um, when the AIS scholarship fell through because um, I had applied to go to uni at Canberra and then um, when that fell through, I was like, well, I'm not going to Canberra. Um, so I deferred all the courses that I'd signed up for and then another one was at um, Sports and Exercise Science at um, Campbelltown. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Campbelltown's a really long drive. Um, so I'm like, I'll just let it sit for a year. And in that, in if in that time I think of something else that I want to do, I'll do that. So in that time, the thought of going to uni didn't appeal to me. Um, one of my friends' partners was doing this PT course and I said, oh, that sounds pretty cool. You had to train people and go to a gym and That'd be cool. So I didn't mm-hmm. really know much about it, but I inquired about the course. And um, anyway, I'm like, well, I might just give it a try, just see how it goes. So I yep. signed up for this course and did all of the units and stuff. And then I had to do my practical hours. So I got in contact with a business owner at in North Richmond. He It was called Body Magic at the time. And he's like, yeah, you can do your practical hours here and I'll sign it off. So in amongst working, I was doing all of – this to get my course done and um, then eventually when I got it all done, the same guy I did my practical hours with offered me a few clients to just train like maybe three clients a week at the time and I was like, that's pretty cool, I'll, I'll do that. Um, so I was still working at Rural Press at the time while training these people in between and eventually it got more and more and more and I did more sessions and got more clients and he just – he was just trying to basically pump. I think he was at the time trying to give me all of the work to do so he could sit back and run the business. That was his idea. Yep. For me, it was great because I got heaps of exposure and got lots of opportunities to learn and train people and all different kinds of people. So I am grateful for that. Um, 
But then it got to a point in 2018, I think it was. I've got not a great memory. <laughs> it was one year. You're doing all right so far. <laughs> I don't know, sometime maybe two years ago. Um, he offered me a full-time role there. So I was like, great, this will be sweet. I can quit real press and just do coaching full-time. Yep. And so I did and I was doing about 35, 36 sessions a week. So it was just straight into it. I was doing all the programming for those people, running classes. I was up at 4 a.m. Mm. at the gym by 5 to open and vacuum and get it all ready and I'd be there all day and then come back and I'll do the afternoon session. So it was really good. I was mm-hmm. doing a lot of work. Um, that only lasted for uh, maybe three months. A couple of months, yeah. A couple of months and anyway, the whole business – just folded um he was not a great businessman so um he ended up owing me a few grand's worth of pay and in super and um all of these things and I just kept working because there was no one else doing the work so I felt bad for the client so I was like yep I'm going to turn up you're trying to keep people yeah exercising and training and you know you didn't want to let them down yeah so I, I was kept turning up I was like no he will pay me said he'll pay me um this went on for like six weeks or something and ended up never getting paid for the work I did. And so it was a really tough decision for me because I'd been there for about three years um, mm. in that facility with him and I'd, I knew a lot of the – like I'd trained everyone and had a really good um, relationship with all of the clients. And Yeah, they become a major part of your life. Yeah. So um, I had to make a really tough decision. It was tough at the time to move and leave and it was the right decision to do by all means. So I contacted Matt at last round. Matt um, Hamilton? Matt Hamilton and I said. Is that when you started Built by Klein or was that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I contacted him and I said, I asked him what are the chances of me getting a job there and he he basically said, well, I, I don't hire people but if you want to work here, you can start your own business and work out of the facility and I was like, okay, let me see how I go. And then I think it was another month before I decided to actually bite the bullet and go there. I was just, it was so stressful for me because I'm like, well, now I have to start my own business. That sounds really hard and Mm. I don't know anything about doing that stuff for tax. And anyway, it was super stressful but um, I couldn't handle being where I was anymore. I couldn't stand the sight of my boss, I guess you would call him. Um, and so I just eventually told all my clients, look, I'm going to move. I'm going over to last round. Um, if you want to continue training with me, Ken, you're more than welcome to come over. Um, but this is no longer working for me here. And How was that reaction? Mostly really good. Everyone was very understanding and they knew something was... They could see the decline of... Yeah, I was miserable there. Yeah. Um, I was very unhappy and it was disappointing because I genuinely loved coaching everyone so Mm. they knew like they all understood and about half of my clients said yep wherever you go we're going um the other half was incredibly loyal to him so they're like well we've been here for like eight years we feel bad we're just going to stay here and see what happens so which was fair enough yeah um yeah so then over to last round I went I had to come up with my own business name and logo and get all of that sorted so Bit of brainstorming to 
figure out the name. So that was where Built by Klein came up, mm-hmm. um, came from. And my friends, Brad and Min and Shell at Outback Signs, they helped me design my logo and so that was really good. Uh, I just said, make it look badass and I'll be happy. Yeah. And they, I think they did a pretty good job. Um, They've done an amazing job. And the work, I'm hoping to do a podcast with Matt Hamilton. Yes. And I hopefully do, will then do a podcast with Brad from yeah. um, Outback Signs because, um, you know, they're two businesses that I want to um, – you know, they just do fantastic work and I, I really want to pick their brains on, you know, their lives and, and what they've done in business. So, mm. um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, both really terrific people. So yeah. So, that would be good. So, what was your first month like at last round? Um, it was it was good. It was hard. Um it's always hard. Change is scary. So I was already very nervous about it. I didn't know any of the people there. Um, it was a huge facility. I was worried for my clients. Not I didn't want them to not enjoy it. Um, yeah. It was just a really stressful time for me. And going from being with this one person for about three years and they were supposed to have taught me everything I knew about coaching and training and running a business to then coming to this facility that was just huge and Matt was Matt was fantastic and everyone was really welcoming so that was good but it was what I found difficult was I just felt like everything I'd just done in the last three years I I had I didn't know anything so I got to this place where I had was surrounded by these other trainers and Matt and all these super knowledgeable people super passionate about health and fitness and I was like these people are so good and I felt really I just felt a bit down on myself for not being at the same overwhelmed. level yeah overwhelmed um so that was hard it took me quite a while it took me a few months to get past that and then I just had to accept that well I'm here now um it's a great place I'm very grateful to be here and I just need to learn as much from these people as I can um yeah. did you find it, re- it helped by them making you feel comfortable or their approach to you? Yeah, 100%. Um, so from the get-go, uh, everyone knew my name. The members, they all were very welcoming. Matt was super welcoming. Um, so that made it – that eased, eased it in a lot and my clients liked it there, so that made me feel better. Yeah. Um, so everything – it took a couple of months but it started to be really positive and – Yeah, and – like just the effect it actually had on my clients being in this new facility. We went from a gym that was so small and um, you can't really get away from the energy other people are giving off in that gym. So I'd be training a client and trying my hardest to get her motivated to do that session. And she she was training immediately next to someone who was not motivated one bit to do their session who was sitting down and chatting to the other the other coach at the time and they were just doing nothing like they were supposed to be there training and Mm. and so then I'm trying to bring up the energy for her to get through the session it was very very difficult but then that the complete opposite you go we went to last round and it was so inspiring everyone was there training hard and they were having fun and they were helping each other and um supporting each other and Matt was just like this incredible coach who I was um amazed by the way he could coach people and um, he's 
the way he educated people on why they're doing what they're doing and it was just a complete contrast to what I was um, exposed to before that. So it, the difference I saw in my client in being there was phenomenal. Like they were instantly picked up by the um, mm. the atmosphere that we were training in. Yep. Yeah. When a training facility has strong leadership and the the leadership then creates a positive culture and the members in the gym then help feed that culture in a positive way, you you feel unstoppable mm. in those in those facilities. And it's no, you know, Matt has created that and he is a great leader and he's created that there. And that's why, you know, when when people train there, they they feel inspired. Mm. Um, and I'm sure all the trainers then under Matt would would feel that. Yeah. Um so how long have you been at last round now for? Um, it'll be two years in July. Okay. What, what's been your lessons from owning your own business so far? Lessons. Um, it's been really, it's been a really great experience actually. Um, a a lot of the lessons I learned from where I was before at, um, training for warriors, body magic, there were lessons of how not to run a business. Yep. So um, I kind of had a really good grasp of this is what you have to do to fail. Um, and I didn't want that to happen. So, yeah. um, you're probably very fortunate. You've now experienced the, what not to do and what, what to, to do. do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. So just to be a successful business, especially because I, I rely on myself. I don't, I can't rely on anyone else to do anything for me. I have to do the buck stops with you. Everything, um, which is fine. It's great. So there's no excuses. If I ever don't do anything, it's my fault, and I have no no one to blame but myself. So, uh, oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's quite pow- um, empowering. Yeah. Mm. Um, so having so knowing that, I every day. I make sure that I'm giving – I want to give my clients and the people who are putting time into me, they're entrusting me to help them in whatever way they want to be helped. And every day I have, I make sure I'm giving them 100% of my best and um, I go into the day or every session saying, okay, this this has got to be the best hour of this person's day. Yep. If I can do that, it's been a successful day. So um, just that mentality, um, I think, will help has helped with my business and um, just being organised. I have so many lists. I, every day I have a list of things to do. Um, if I don't have a list, I'm very unlikely to get anything done. It's just procrastinating and yep. going around in circles. So being organised and... Um, how many hours are you doing a week um, and what's what would be the breakdown of hours actually physically coaching and then hours that you spend programming and researching? Um, so in a, in a week where let's say everyone trains who I have down to train, that would be about 30 to 34 sessions. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever had a week where everyone's trained. There's always someone cancelling. Yeah. Um, Do you find it helpful if people can 
you know, give you some notice of cancelling yeah, and heaps. and obviously you're probably running your own business. You know, sometimes it's difficult. Um, people come into financial divinity mm-hmm. or, you know, chasing, you know, mm. you've got to live and you've got bills to pay as mm. well. Um, they, they, they're challenges of, of every business. Yeah. Um, it's the part of the business I hate the most, um, the financial side, not having to do tax and all of that stuff. That's fine. I can get through that. But I didn't start doing this for the money. Um, I'm not motivated by money. I'm motivated by helping people and changing people's lives. Um, so then when I have to chase up payments for people who haven't, who've missed a payment, it just kills me inside because I, it's not about that for me. But at the same time, I do have, it is my job and I have yeah. to get by. And um, you got bills. I've got bills to pay. Yeah. Yeah. So about 30, 35 hours coaching sessions. Yep. And then how many hours are you spending programming and researching each week? Um, I like to spend my weekends as exciting as it is doing <laughs> the programming. So yep. I'll, if I can't dedicate both days, I'll dedicate most of the whole day Sunday programming. I just sit down and knuckle down. I get as much done as possible. And then during the week when I have um, hours in between clients, I try to use a couple of hours um, most days doing stuff like that as well. Um, so, I don't know, there'd be a good five to ten hours um, depending on the week and what's due, Yeah, doing all of that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. So, you're doing at least 40, 45 hours a week at least. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, where, where you live, how long does it take you to get to last round? It- uh, just, it takes a bit over half an hour to get to work. Yeah, yeah, okay. So you got an hour travel each day as well. Yeah, and so I've been spending I've been trying to spend that time wisely books and audio books and um podcasts. So yeah. That's been good. That is wise. Yeah. Um do you what do you have a specific type of person that you train or do you train all sorts? I train everyone. So it's I was thinking about this yesterday like um having a bit of a reflection on what I do and where I want to go with it um like there's the the part of me who thoroughly enjoys training athletes and developing them and through sport and things like that because obviously I've had such a it's had such an impact on my life so yeah there's that part but then I also have all of just my general population people who I train and I love that too um just like the, the difference that it makes in someone's day and um I don't know. I yeah. there's not anyone in particular who I do you've, and don't want to train. You have athletes that are nine years old, ten years old, ten yeah, years old, a couple of like um, teenagers, yep. football and uh, cricket player, and um, yeah, yeah, variety. And then your general pop is every everything from teenagers through to you know mm. getting on to their golden years. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, they're they're all great. Yeah. Yeah, I have a really great relationship with my clients. Yeah. Mm. Well, to be doing that many sessions a week, you must be doing something right. Yeah. What advice do you have for those who want to be a personal trainer? Um, I think the biggest bit of advice I could give is just genuinely care about the person, show an interest in their life. Um, 
relationships are the foundation of any business, I think, and especially this industry. So if you can build a strong relationship with your clients and um, show that you care and that's going to get you a really long way. Yeah. Mm. What is something that you're most proud of thus far for your business? Hmm. Uh, this is a little tricky. I Most days, I'd say, let's say 90% of the time I'll come away from a day and I'll have had a proud moment in that day. Yeah. Um, whether it be one client, two clients, something that has happened in the day. Someone sent me a message um, about something they did and they're super stoked about themselves. Yeah. So I feel very lucky, but I have proud moments all of the time, just just whether it be seeing a change in someone's mindset who's like spent the last 12 months not enjoying being at the gym or yeah. enjoying their work or their their life and then – seeing those changes in their mindset makes me really proud. Um, yeah. Or just... That you can have a little impact on that. Yeah, yeah. that I've made a small... I've had a small part in that. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think... Yeah, that's really... awesome. What What are your future hopes or um, goals for Built by Klein? Hmm. Do you think that far ahead yet? I haven't thought that far... <laughs> well, I try to think that far ahead occasionally. Um Again, like I said before, because I enjoy so much the the sporting side of the coaching I do, but then again, I also have a really soft spot for the general population who I train. I don't. I, I'm torn between which direction. If I was to take a, a direction, which way I would go, um, and I think it changes all the time. Mm. Um, when I first started, I thought I'd really enjoy doing coaching for the elderly and I was like yeah that's something I really want to do and before that it was like I just want to train little kids and do like little kid stuff but then as I go and I'm like I'm exposed to more people that changes a lot yeah so as far as the future goes just business as usual business as usual I just want to keep on keeping on yeah doing what I'm doing at the moment um I mean five ten year goals are great but Yep. I just want to think about tomorrow, think yep. about today, um, do my best while I'm present here. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. That's awesome. Um, but for now, staying at last round. Yep. Built by client, charging on. Yeah, for sure. Do you train yourself? Yes. What? How do you train? Um, I Well, okay. I just spent about the last two years focusing on weightlifting. So I was training with um, Josh. Uh, I was doing up to five sessions a week of weightlifting and that was great. I really enjoyed doing weightlifting. Um, before that, I was doing a bit of powerlifting, mixed training, um, functional fitness. I was just doing a, a real array of stuff and it was really fun. And then there was that two-year period of weightlifting and thrown in amongst that I'd do random sessions or periods of hypertrophy or crossfit every so often which would always kill me yeah um but at the in the meantime so it's actually really it was a weird timing of events with this blood clot that I got because the week literally one week before the issues started coming up the symptoms of my arm swelling and all that I'd 
I had this epiphany where I was going to stop weightlifting for a bit and focus on training, my, doing more fitness work, building more muscle, getting stronger. I was going to just start going back to ha- what I started with and then just a lot more functional training more functional training so that was supposed to have started <laughs> then I just had a little hiccup <laughs> and the blood clot got in the and way the, this damn blood clot got in the way but once it's cleared I'm gonna go back to that original plan and go into more functional fitness hypertrophy um strength yeah. everything Maybe you could ask Matt if you could do 30 and 30 in March. Yeah, which is, I know I, someone said to me today, they're all coming to the end of their 30-30 yeah. challenge. Everyone's finishing up today or finished it yesterday. And we've got this whiteboard with everyone's name on it and the um, how many workouts they've done. And there's my name in the middle of the board with five workouts <laughs> next oh, no. to it. <laughs> it's very disappointing. I was so excited to do it too. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I might relive that in a couple of months time yeah you can do yours in march yeah yeah it's okay um what have you have you done competitions for weightlifting uh yeah i've done a couple i've done two super totals here yeah i think it was two um which were great fun and super total for those that don't know um they're a combination of weightlifting and powerlifting you do the snatch clean and jerk squat bench and deadlift mm. so three attempts of each of those and you so you do 15 attempts across the day yeah huge day mm. Good so two super totals two super totals and then you won one yeah the second one i did i think it was Ooh, yep yeah it was a good day <laughs> <laughs> um and then apart from that i i did a weightlifting comp my first one my first weightlifting comp i ever did was really fun like it was I think I was a little bit nervous, but not too much because I was more excited than anything. It was just a whole new experience for me and I got to wear a weightlifting suit, which was awesome. I yep. loved it. And yep. um, the whole um, technical side out the back, you don't realise it happens, all of the little, um, I don't know how to describe it. Intricacies yeah. of it and the yeah. nuances that weightlifting have. Yeah, so I, I did one and then... Um, we the goal was to be able to qualify for nationals i think this was last year and um so i'd done all this training and then i had another comp where it was my last opportunity to get the qualifier for nationals i was not feeling great i was not mentally in a good spot with it anyway the whole competition was a flop i got two lifts out of the six i missed my first two clean and jerks some oh first two snatches got my third and then i missed my first clean and jerk got my second then missed my third so it was terrible Mm. I hated it it was really bad and then obviously didn't make it to nationals which I was fine by to be honest um but then after that I was like oh this competition stuff is I don't know about it yeah like it it was fun at first and then I think the novelty wore off and training started becoming purely focused on the competition and the end result and for me I gave up race walking because of all of the same reason the kind of mental stuff going on there and I didn't yep. want to get into this into weightlifting to become a competitor I just wanted to do it because I really enjoyed it and then I started losing that enjoyment for it again um hence why I decided to have a break from it and then the universe told me I had to have a break from it anyway because I had a blood clot from it Jesus I know. do you think competitions um 
can be good for people? Yeah, for sure, I do. Um, it just comes down to the type of person and how they they're motivated and where how what their mental um, frame of mind is like. So I have a client who is super motivated by having um, that endpoint to work towards. So she'll yeah. she'll train her guts out because she knows she's got this competition on X date and she's got to train to perform well at that comp. Yeah. Um, so that's a really good motivator for some people. And it's also just good, like the ones I've done that I've enjoyed, it's just that it gives you a platform to kind of show off the hard work you've yeah. been doing. So it, they they have their place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so once the blood clot gone, <laughs> back into functional training. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lots of pain there. <laughs> um, can I ask you, recently you have been doing a gratitude board? Yeah. What's that all about? So um, one of the books I had recently listened to, um, it was all about mindfulness and empathy and gratitude. And it was a great book. I, I got a lot out of it. What and was the name of it? Do you remember? <laughs> no? I loved it so much I forgot the name. <laughs> I don't know. That's all right. It was like, I can't tell you. Yeah. I don't remember <laughs> names either of books and Songs. It was a it was a long name to yeah. the book, but it had anyway. It was white and it had blue writing. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> even I like. And to be fair, it's just an audible book. Yeah. So, so you I'm don't not actually read it. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Just, okay. Anyway, so yes, this book was all about gratitude and becoming happier through being more mindful and grateful um, for your surroundings and all of that sort of stuff. So. One of the biggest things I took out of it was, okay, um, no matter what sort of a day you've had, if you can get to the end of your day, sit down and think of three things that were good about your day and then kind of reflect on them, write them down so you have them in front of you, you're going to have a good day no matter what. Yeah. So even like it's it has been challenging in the last few weeks to for me to sit down at the end of the day and go, okay, or I've just been to the doctor and I've had a ultrasound x-ray. They've taken blood and I've had to go back to the doctor. And I've been told I've got a tumour. Yeah, now, yep. so the days weren't too good, but then I had to come home and my gratitude board would be staring me in the face and I didn't want to not do it, so I'd pull it down off the wall and, okay, despite all of these things that I've been through today, there have been, I can think of, I can still think of three things that went good in the day and then, when you can look at those, you go, you know what? Life isn't that bad. Mm. Um, I'm still grateful for a lot of things. Yeah. And at the end of the day, too, you're going to sleep or you're finishing off the day thinking positive. Exactly right. And then if you go to bed feeling positive about the days, more likely than not, you're going to wake up feeling positive and you're ready to go about the next day. So it's a really good um, cycle to be in. Yeah. And do you do you find it more powerful writing it down rather than just thinking it? Yeah, because I'll write it down. It'll be up on my wall where I where it's positioned in my room. I can go to bed and I can look at it before I go to sleep. And then the next day when I go to write my next um, three things that went good in the day, I look at it again. So I'm like, oh, yeah, those, that was a good day yesterday. And now I'm like, oh, I've had another good day today. How good is this? Yeah. Um. So just that constant – it's just a constant reminder of – life being good yeah so 
advice would be if you're feeling a little bit negative or a little bit down, start a gratitude board. Start a gratitude board. And yeah, I mean, it's made a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing I've seen on your Instagram is um, at home <laughs> building a garden <laughs> and the development of the garden series. And yeah. so what, what started the garden and well, how have you found that whole process? Okay, so this has been a long process. Um, one day, I can't even remember why, it was like the October long weekend and I we have this the, this hill down the back and it um, just goes into the bush. It ends up in the bush. But at the bottom of this hill, for ever since I've ever known it, there's been this little kind of like lip in the, um, like a terrace kind of thing in the, in the grass so one day I just out of impulse just dug it all out I dug it so it was just it went from like a, like a crazy woman yeah and then mum came down she goes what have you done <laughs> so I've just decided to dig this out and it's going to be a garden eventually and she goes well that sounds a bit crazy I'm like you wait and see and then so after I spent like a couple of hours digging this big wall into the dirt I went up and I drew I sketched what I envisioned this garden to look like. Yep. So it was going to be my secret little, it's not really secret anymore, obviously, but just a little spot of sanctuary for me, a little slice of heaven. Um, I really love being outside and I just, yep. plants, I love plants. So I think, well, imagine if I just built this garden. It's surrounded by plants. I'm looking into the bush. It's so peaceful down here. No one would ever bother me. I yep. could come down and have my breakfast here in the morning. It was just a great idea. So that was October long weekend. I decided the garden was going to happen. And then obviously I had to go back to work and do stuff. So then nothing happened for a long time. So you've just got this dugout <laughs> I've just got this, wall? Yeah, nothing. Mum's like, that's a great looking garden. I'm like, you wait, mum. This <laughs> is going to be great. Yep. And then I was just hanging out for my two weeks of holidays that I, I was given my given myself for Christmas and then as soon as those two weeks happened I just got stuck into the garden but that was like around Christmas time yeah I love Christmas I was just so overjoyed about having a break from work yeah um it's just full of Christmas spirit so I decided to start documenting this garden just being a bit silly really yeah I'm not an expert by any means as you can't already tell (laughs) So I was just making a bit of a fool of myself. Um, core cat and all? Yeah, my special core cat. I was really just, I think the only reason I decided to start filming it was to spread more happiness and just make everyone laugh. Cause it, yeah, it's it, friggin' hilarious. Yeah. It is very entertaining. <laughs> and then once I started, I couldn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, you, if, if you haven't seen it yet... <laughs> Follow you on Instagram, <laughs> Kirsty Klein. Yeah. And check out the Is the Garden series in a. They're highlighted. They're highlighted in, in the stories. I've got three like highlight reels. Yeah, mad. Um, check it out. Uh, the garden's come along really well. It's getting there. I mean, there's a long way to go, but it definitely looks. You've like, even got retaining wall. Yeah. You're getting pavers down pavers soon. Pavers will be down when it's not as hot. Um, I need more plants. Yeah. Myrtles to put in? No, they're in. They're in? Yeah, I've got um, a couple of Japanese maple trees. I've got a bunch of natives. Um, I need to get myself a chair and a, a little table and 
some pots to go on the paved area. Yep. Um, what else do I need? I'll probably get a water feature. Yeah, man. <laughs> Maybe a fire pit for winter. It's going to oh, be Oh, yeah, yeah. Nuts. Definitely a fire pit for winter. Yeah. Um, and you're at war with the kangaroos? Yeah, the bloody kangaroos. So I put my first row of plants in. I was stoked about it. It took me about two hours to plant these damn plants because the ground was so hard. I was working my butt off. And then they all, it was like, it's a hedge. So I had to put six in. It was terribly hard. I just kept telling myself, this is the hardest thing you've ever done. And then (laughs) I was stoked about it when it was finally finished. Two days later, I come home and mum and dad are like, oh, do you know what happened down at the garden? I was like, what do you mean? Do I know what happened down at the garden? And then I go down there and there's this giant fence around the garden that my dad had constructed because the kangaroos ate all of the plants I'd put in. (laughs) I was so mad and I'd never felt so uh, defeated defeated in my whole life. You're that that defeat has probably been the funniest part of the whole garden <laughs> series, your war with the kangaroos. Oh yeah, but tell you what, they've not come back since then. Yeah, yeah. The the highlighted one where you stalked or staked it out. Yeah. In your in your camo gear. That was <laughs> in special. My water gun. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any fears or phobias? Oh yeah. I'm terribly scared of spiders. I've never had a bad experience with spiders, but they freak me out. They have too many legs and they, the way they walk around, it's freaky. Like they own the joint. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I'm scared of spiders. And I think I'm pretty terrified of like swimming in the ocean and dark water. And I just get scared something's going to eat my legs off. So, <laughs> I, I, yeah. You stay out of the water? Yeah. Um, although, you, is it oceans different to rivers? Yeah, it's a different fear because there are sharks in the ocean and also I'm not a fan of waves. Mm. I don't like getting hit by waves. It's not really fear of waves. I just don't like it. And I'm just scared of sharks getting yeah. in my legs. Because you get out kayaking a bit. Yeah. I mean, going in the river is fine because not that I know of, there aren't any things in the river that can eat you. Yeah. Um, and you can usually see the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. So just spiders? Yeah, spiders are terrible. Don't like them. No. Um, if you could go back to teenage Kirsty, what advice would you give that young girl? Okay. Hmm. I would probably just tell her, um, just keep, just keep being true to yourself. Um, be kind to yourself, and uh, like. You're a rock star. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Being kind to yourself and not worrying about what other people think. Yeah, don't worry about what other people think. And most of the time, any of your worries are just formulated in your own mind. They're like not actually, they don't exist. People yeah. don't usually think of too much about anyone else. Yeah, they're too worried, too worried about their own lives. Mm. Yeah. Cool. May I got some, just some questions to finish off. Okay. What's your favourite takeaway meal? I love pizza or burgers, both. You got to pick one. Lunch, it would be burgers, pizza. <laughs> Dinner, <laughs> it would be pizza. What's yeah. your favourite pizza topping? Oh, I love a good barbecue chicken. Yep. Mm. Cool. What's your favourite all-time movie? Oh, 
gosh. Well, my favourite my favorite actor is Tom Hanks. Um, so basically any movie he's in, I really enjoy – I really enjoy Forrest Gump and I also yeah. really enjoy like oh and also Morgan Freeman. So mm. <laughs> Forrest Gump, I, I like um what's that one about the prison with Morgan Freeman in it and Oh Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, I really enjoy that. Yeah, the they're Green two Mile. classics. Yeah. Yeah, Green I don't Mile. Have a favorite really. They're any, um any they're movie. all big blockbusters. Yeah. All right, I'll give you those three. Thanks. If you had any elite talent or superpower, what would it be? I wish. I really just wish I could sing well. <laughs> I wouldn't become famous for singing. I just, just so when I'm driving along in the car, and you just, sound good to I'd yourself. I sound, sound good to myself, <laughs> and just maybe impress the occasional friend or <laughs> family member with my amazing voice. So. Yeah, so they don't have to wear earplugs. <laughs> um. If you're down to your last 20 bucks, how would you spend it? Um, so what happens after I spend the $20? Do I die? Yeah, you die. <laughs> okay. Uh, probably would just spend it on like one of those giant tubs of Maltesers and that's about $10. Yep. Um, and I'd just go and watch a movie, I think. And then die. And then die. Cool. That's it, yeah. Movie and Maltesers. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Uh-huh. So how can people find you? Uh, well, Instagram? Yep. I'm on Instagram. I have my personal account and my business account. So Kirsty Klein? Yep, with two eyes in both of those. Yep. And Built by Klein, my Facebook. Instagram. Instagram. Um, email? Yep, Kirsty.Klein and the number seven at gmail.com. Probably don't send me emails. It's a, it's a bit annoying. <laughs> <laughs> All social media. Yes. Um, send me a text. Cool. Any last parting thoughts? Um, no, this has been really great. Thank awesome. You. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with me to do this. Um, it's been a really um, interesting and emotional mm-hmm. and, um, you know, thank you for being brave and sharing your story. And... Um, you know, anyone that's looking for a trainer built by Klein and um, hit you up. Thanks so much, Kirsty. Thank you. See ya. Bye.